6, Matthew chapter 6, and we're continuing our series today on the Lord's Prayer, looking at the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, and we'll come come to that in a moment. If I haven't met you, my name's Campbell, pastor here at Cornerstone Presbyterian. It's great to have you with us. If you're visiting today, a special welcome to you, and please stay behind for some morning tea, chance for us to get to know you. And as you know, there are lots of things happening after church today, and I feel sorry for the person who wants to do membership class and the parenting teenagers and how to be a, uh, a leader in the church. Uh, you're going to have to choose between one of those three. So, But uh, good to see some good things happening after church. Matthew chapter 6. Well, let me give you three sample prayers So I'm going to pray three very short prayers. I'm not going to pray them, I'm going to say them. And perhaps you can resonate with with one of these three prayers. Maybe one of them uh, kind of fits your, your experience. Dear Heavenly Father, please help me with my maths test next week. Oh no, I left my maths book at school. I'll have to message Jerome for the questions. I wonder if Jerome has talked to Sally yet. I'll just check Insta. Maybe that's a prayer that uh, resonates with some of you. Here's another one. Dear Heavenly Father, please bless my children. I love them very much. Did I iron Tessa's dress for tomorrow? (laughs) That's right, I did. Uh, Did I turn the iron off? Has Simon paid the fire insurance bill? (laughs) Or, Dear Heavenly Father, please bless Cornerstone. I wonder where the new office is going to be. How am I going to pack up all my books? Thank goodness Paul Bartlett offered to help me. (laughs) wonder how Paul and Annie are doing. Maybe maybe these kind of prayers, uh, are these the kind of prayers anyone else uh, prays? You know what I'm getting at, don't you? Our prayers are like paper planes. You throw them, they go up for a moment, and then they just come crashing down into the ground. And many of our prayers are like that. They go up, they soar up to heaven for a moment, and then hit the ground pretty quickly in distraction and our worries and thoughts for everything else that's going on in our life. For almost all of us, prayer is very, very difficult. We struggle to sit still. We get an anxious feeling inside of us. We struggle to concentrate. We get bored. Many of us would rather do than pray. Isn't that right? You'd much rather do than pray. And for some people here, when it comes to prayer, you think, well, what's the point anyway? Because I've been praying for this in my life year after year after year, and I've heard no answer, and I've seen no answer. And so prayer doesn't seem to work. What's the point in praying in the first place? And so we get discouraged and very often we just give up and many Christians simply give up on praying because it is too hard. Now, no doubt, there are many reasons for why we get distracted in our praying and why our minds fly to other things when we pray But one of the big ones is this. One of the big problems 
with our praying, and I would say one of the core problems with our praying is that we pray with the wrong priorities. This is one of the underlying reasons why we find it so difficult to pray. We pray with the wrong priorities. We forget what should be most important in our prayers. We put the secondary things first and we put the primary things second. And so prayer becomes uninspiring. We lose focus. We get discouraged and we give up. Thank God for the Lord's Prayer. We thank our Lord Jesus Christ for teaching us to pray. Because here in the Lord's Prayer, he shows us what our priorities in prayer should be. And I think that as, as, as you listen to Jesus' teaching on prayer, that you'll be re-inspired to pray. You'll be refreshed. You will want to pray as you hear how our Lord Jesus teaches us to do that. So let's look here at Matthew chapter 6, and I'm reading the Lord's Prayer from verse 9. Jesus said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so two weeks ago, we looked at how uh, we are to address God in our prayers. We are to look up to God as our Father and when we pray to God as Father, we are reminded that, that he, he made us. If you're a Christian, he's made you twice over. He created you and he's given you new birth and adopted you to be his son or his daughter. When we pray our Father, we remember God's love for us. And we remember that he will not withhold any good thing from us as his children. And then last week we looked at the second part of how we are to address God, our Father in heaven. He is our heavenly Father. He's not a creature, he's the creator, mighty, exalted and holy. And so we are to pray with intimacy to our God as our Father and we are to pray to God with awe and reverence. It's not either or for the Christian. We come with both intimacy and awe to our Father in heaven. So that's the address. That's how we address God, our Father in heaven. And Jesus follows the address with six petitions, six things to pray for. And we're looking at the first of those petitions today, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Let's ask our our Father to help us. Yes, Heavenly Father, we, we pray now that you'll help us to put aside distractions, the thoughts and concerns of the week, and to lift up our hearts and minds to you. Please speak to us 
And we pray that you will work in us and change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So the first thing the Christian prays is, hallowed be your name. Now, the word hallow is a very old-fashioned word. We, we never use it in any other context. The only time you're really going to hear hallow is when you hear someone praying the Lord's Prayer. What does it mean? Well, it's related to the word holy. Hallow is related to the word holy. And to hallow something means to make it holy. To hallow something means to make it holy. But I'm not sure if that's really solved uh, our understanding of this prayer request, because what does it mean to make something holy? What does that mean? How do we make God's name holy? Well, in Exodus 3, let me give you some examples of how this word uh, holy is used in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 3, God said to Moses at the burning bush, Moses, take off your sandals because the ground you are standing on is holy ground. The ground you are standing on is holy. What was God saying to Moses? The ground you are standing on is not like any other ground. It's different. It's separated from other ground. It is to be distinguished. And it's different because I am present here and I am speaking. And so take off your sandals and respect this ground as holy ground, as different ground. There's an example of the word holy. In Exodus 16, God said to Israel that you must take the last day of the week and you are to make it a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And what God was teaching his people is that they were to take the last day of the week and they were to make it a different day. It was to be different, distinct from the other six days of the week. It was to be a day set aside from their normal work and their normal tasks, a day of worshipping God. Make the seventh day a holy day. In Exodus 19, God said to Israel that you are to be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, what did God mean when he said to Israel, you are to be a holy nation? He was saying, you are to be different from the other nations. You are to be distinct from the other nations. You're not to have the same customs as the other nations. You're not to worship idols like the other nations. You are to be my holy and distinct and different people. And that, I believe, is the main reason why God gave Israel a distinct diet. And there are many theories as to why God commanded Israel not to eat certain foods like shellfish and uh, reptiles and certain birds. Certain uh, pigs, for example, were forbidden. And there are many theories about why God said to Israel, there are, there are certain foods that are forbidden to you. And some suggest that there might have been some health benefits to not eating those foods. But the main reason, I believe, the main reason why God 
gave Israel a distinct diet is because he was training them to be different to the other nations. If you eat different foods, then straight away you're going to be different from those who live around you. And Israel were to wear uh, particular cloths, for example. They couldn't mix the fabric in their cloths. They they, they couldn't mix two fabrics together. And again, it, it was just God training his people to be holy, to be different, to see themselves as different. This is what the word holy means. And the temple, of course, had a holy place and a most holy place meaning that this part of Jerusalem is to be distinct and different from the rest of Jerusalem. This part has been set aside for God and for worshipping God. And in the New Testament, let me just give you one more example of how holy is used in the Bible. In the New Testament, what are Christians called again and again, particularly at the beginning of the letters, Paul's letters, Christians are called, what are we called? To the, for example, the, how does Romans start? To the saints in Rome. Okay, so Christians are called saints. The word saint simply means a holy person. That's what the word saint means. It means a holy person. And you're thinking, well, clearly they were not written for me. I'm not a very holy person. But what is meant by that when, when Paul addresses the church as the saints in Rome, the saints in Ephesus, the saints in Corinth, he's saying, you are to be different. You are different people. You're different from the world. You belong to God. You've been adopted by God. You are to live differently. You are to think differently. That's what it means to be a saint, according to how the Bible uses the word saint, to be a different person. So putting all these things together, I've given a lot of examples here, thinking about the holy ground, thinking about the seventh day as a holy day, Israel as a holy nation, the temple as having a holy place, Christians as being a holy people, What does the word holy mean? It means to be different. It means to be distinct. And so when we pray to God, hallowed be thy name, what are we praying, brothers and sisters? What are we praying? We are praying, God, may your name be revered. May your name be distinguished from every other name. May your name be set apart from every other name. May your name be a holy name. Because your name is unlike any other name. When we pray, Father, hallowed be thy name. We are praying, Father, set apart your name from every other name on earth. Father, may your name be treated differently to every other name. Father, may your name be honoured and revered and treated with reverence. 
That's what we are praying when we pray, hallowed be thy name. Of course, to hallow God's name is to hallow God himself. Many people go to the war memorial, the National War Memorial in Canberra, and there are those those bronze plaques, those huge uh, bronze plates with the names of all those who have died in the various wars. And what do, parent, what do the friends and loved ones do with those names? What do they do? They take a poppy. Have you seen that? They take a poppy and they put it, insert it into the seam between the bronze plates next to the name. What are people doing there? When they put a poppy next to their, their relative's name, they are honouring the person themselves. They are honouring their father, their grandfather, their grandmother, whoever it was who died in war. To honour someone's name is to honour the person who bears that name. And so when we say, hallowed be thy name to our father, we are saying, Father, may you, yourself, be set apart, distinguished, honoured and revered in the hearts of all people. Now, who's going, to, who's going to pray this prayer? Who is going to pray, lift up their, their hearts to God and pray, hallowed be your name? Well, Christians are going to do this because we love our Father and we have immense gratitude to our Heavenly Father for his grace poured out into our lives because he, he came to us as sinful Christian, as sinful men and women who deserve to be punished for our sins. And in his love and his grace, he reached down to us and he saved us and he rescued, rescued us from our sins, delivered us from the pit, from death. And so the Christian looks up to their father with love and gratitude and this prayer just pours out of us, doesn't it? Hallowed be your name. Father, we love you. We are so thankful to you for what you've done. We want you and your name to be set apart from every other name in heaven or on earth because of what you've done for us. Hallowed be your name expresses love and gratitude to the Father. And let me say this, that this prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray, it really tests our heart, doesn't it? It really tests the state of our soul. And it's so important, let me just, just take a little aside here to say how important it is for every Christian to self-examine and, and, and to look into our hearts and our souls and to inquire about the state of our soul. Is my spirit, is my soul in good, good condition? 
Am I really a believer, a son or a daughter of God? The the Bible uh, very often urges us to examine ourselves. And I believe that this first petition of the Lord's Prayer helps us to do that. Because it challenges me and it asks me, is this a prayer that I want to pray? Do I want God's name to be hallowed? Do I want God's name to be revered and set apart? And if I don't, is there a problem? Have I come to God in repentance and faith? Have I asked him to forgive me of my sins? Do I know his forgiveness? Have I received his grace and his love? Because if I have, then my heart will respond with this prayer, hallowed be thy name. If, if my heart is not full of this prayer, hallowed be thy name, then, then what's going on in my heart? Where am I at? Do I know the love of God and his forgiveness and his grace? So what I'm suggesting at this moment is that hallowed be thy name is a prayer that tests the hearts of all of us. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, well, this is not a prayer I, I, I would think to pray. And I don't think I care about God's name. And I don't think I want to pray that his name be hallowed. Well, it's good that you recognise that. It's good that you see that. And from there, don't, don't despair, don't be discouraged, don't walk away. But ask, Father, how can I come to want to revere your name? I need to know your love. I need to know your forgiveness. I want to know your grace. I need to know your son, that my heart will be filled with this prayer to hallow your name. I want to say this morning also that, that this prayer, hallowed be thy name, it pours out of a sense of grief as well. Because as Christians look out across the world and as we see people in our our city, in our society, how often do we hear people using God's name? How often, what do we normally hear from people's lips? How do people normally speak about the name of God? Well, it it, it so often comes out as, as a kind of swear word, as a... It comes out as a a cry of exasperation or frustration. And people use God's name in these awful ways to express anger, to express frustration that their desires are being thwarted. And this grieves us as Christians. This this should grieve us that God's name is, is so abused. That God's name is, is misused in this, this kind of way. And so when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are praying, Father, may people never use your name in that way. May people never abuse your name. May people never disrespect you. May everyone come to revere and to honour your name. And so this prayer comes out of a sense of grief for the the awful way in which God's name is so often used. In fact, hallowed be thy name 
is a missionary prayer, isn't it? It's a missionary prayer. Because, again, we look at our society and we see people who don't know God. They don't know his son, Jesus Christ. They don't know the hope that that God holds out to them in his son, forgiveness and eternal life. And it grieves us that people don't know who God really is and his love and holiness, grace, power, mercy, the fact that he's given his son to a dying world that we could find eternal life in him. And so when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are praying for the souls of those we know and love. And we are praying that they will come to see God for who he truly is and to hallow his name instead of despising his name. It's a missionary prayer. I want you also to notice, this is very, very important. I want you to notice the priority that Jesus gives to this prayer. In Luke chapter 10, and you might want to turn to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and Luke paints this this, uh, very moving scene in the home of Mary and Martha. And Luke tells us that as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And and we can so clearly picture this, can't we? We can picture this scene. Jesus in the home of Mary and Martha. And uh, Martha is running around, making sure the food's ready. There are drinks in place. Jesus' feet are washed. uh, Everything. she's, She's busy. She's anxious. And Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, just listening to him. And it's no surprise to us that Martha felt a sense of frustration and even anger towards it. I'm I'm busy here, I've got all this stuff to do. And she's just sitting there. She's just sitting there while I'm busy. It's not right. And Martha's frustrations actually pour out upon Jesus himself. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. We, we, we can just picture this so clearly. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And here Jesus teaches Martha that the priority is to be himself. The the number one thing for her to be worried and anxious about is to be himself, to know him, 
to receive his grace and his love. That's, that's the most important thing. And the Lord's Prayer teaches us exactly the same thing because after we come to God and we address him, our Father in heaven, what is the first thing we are to pray, says our Lord Jesus? Hallowed be thy name. And what's the second thing? Thy kingdom come. And what's the third thing? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are six petitions and the first three things that we are to pray are not for ourselves at all. We're not looking at ourselves at all. It is all directed to our Father. Our eyes are on him and we are praying for him. For his name, his kingdom, his will to be done. And this is so important, isn't it? In fact, this this transforms our praying. Because so often we open our mouths, our Father, here's all the things that are worrying me, that are causing me anxiety, all the things I need. Father, so many things I need to tell you about me and my needs. And Jesus says, yes, there are many things you need. There are vital, important things that you need. But these come second. And you pray first for your Father and his name, his kingdom, his will. It's good to do that. In fact, I think it's, it, it's thrilling to be able to pray for our Father and for his name. Frankly, I bore myself. I really do. If I close my eyes and lift up my head to my Father and and pray about myself, my needs, frankly, that doesn't inspire me. (laughs) That doesn't thrill me. The needs of Campbell Markham don't thrill me at all. But God's name, his kingdom, his glory, his will to be done, these are things that that excite the heart and soul of every Christian. It's inspiring. This is what will heat up our prayer life. Is, Is prayer boring for you? How can it be boring when we're praying for our Father's name to be revered honoured, glorified in the hearts of every person that we know. How could it be boring to pray for God's kingdom to come and to be established? When we pray the way Jesus teaches us to pray, our prayers won't be those paper planes that go up and come crashing down in a pile of distraction and self-anxiety but they will soar as we think about our Father and our love for him and wanting his name to be revered and glorified. And so let me finish with this. Is there something that you are anxious about at the moment? Let me rephrase that. What is it that you are anxious about at the moment? What is it? Maybe, Maybe something is going wrong with your body, Maybe the bills are coming in faster than you can pay them. Maybe there's a family member 
that you're really, really worried about. Maybe your marriage is strained. Maybe you'd like to be married. If you are bearing these anxieties, listen to Jesus and pray first that God's name be hallowed. Pray first that his name be hallowed. And let this priority change and transform the way you pray for your needs and the things that are weighing heavily on your soul. Let Jesus' priority transform your prayers. And so when you're thinking about that sickness, something is going wrong with your body, there's, there's, there's pain there, pray this. Father, may your name be hallowed. And may it even be hallowed in my sickness. May it be hallowed even in my disability, even in my pain. May your name be hallowed. And you see how that that transforms? See how that transforms your sickness. See how that transforms your pain and your disability. Because straight away you can see that it's something that God can use to hallow his name, which is the greatest thing. The greatest thing is not that I be healed. The greatest thing is that God uses whatever is wrong with me for his glory. And if, it's, if he is more glorified by healing me, he will heal me. And if he is more glorified in my patience, in my sickness or disability, then he will answer the prayer that way. But let's, let's view things through this lens May his name be hallowed through whatever it is that I am suffering. Thinking about our family members. It causes... John, I don't, we don't normally let people interrupt the sermon, but Father John, what have we got to say? It's our prayer. There are many brothers and sisters here. Many brothers and sisters here. And we are all involved in the outcome. This is my prayer. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And so, thinking about that family member who's really weighing heavily on your your heart and your soul. Well, pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name. And may your name be hallowed in the life of my family member or my friend or whoever it is that I'm worried about. May your name be hallowed in them. And then we will see straight away that God will deal with them in exactly the right way. And he will deal with them primarily for his glory. And that's good. And it will transform the way we pray for those that we're so worried about. God, may your name be hallowed in my marriage, in my singleness, whatever it is that we are struggling with, battling with. We put the name of God first. We pray that his name will be hallowed through 
those struggles, through those strains. And we look for the way, we look for how he answers those prayers in that way. Young people and children, your anxieties are, probably, are possibly the most intense. And all of, us, all of us who are older can think back to being teenagers and children. And we remember that although the worries uh, might not have seemed so big as they are now, that our young people and our children feel those anxieties very keenly, very deeply. It can be a time of great worry when you're a child. Keeping up with school, homework, exams can be very difficult. There are people who tease you. You can feel very lonely. And this can be a very, very hard time for our young people and our children. And let me say to you, Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus in your worries, your anxieties. Listen to him. And pray to, pray to your Father in heaven and pray, Father, may your name be hallowed in my exams and that test that I'm worried about. May your name be hallowed. May your name be hallowed in the way I respond to those who hurt me. May your name be hallowed in that feeling of loneliness that I have. May you be glorified in my patience and as I wait for how you're going to answer this prayer in the best possible way that you do. Very finally, our church has a need right now. Uh, did anyone get round to, to reading the the uh, email that went out during the week. Okay, uh, if you're visiting, forgive me, but in two weeks' time, we have to move out of our church offices. And this, this was all announced to us on Thursday. So we've got two weeks to move out of, our, out of our offices and four months to move out of this auditorium. Four months to move out of this auditorium. So uh, we're kind of a homeless church at the moment. And I think it's really exciting, actually. I think it's exciting. And I think uh, I, I'm excited to, to, to see how God is going to, where he's going to take us from this point of uh, homelessness. <laughs> and, and I think of the, the French Protestants in the 17th century, the early 18th century, who met out in the bush. They had nowhere else to meet. All of their meeting houses had been demolished by the government. And they just had to go and meet out in the bush. And so... It's, it's a great reminder to us that the church is not this, these walls and this ceiling. It's not bricks and water. It's, it's, it's us. It's the people. We're the church. And we'll be the church wherever we go, wherever we meet. And so I'm excited about this. But I just want to say right at this point that as we now earnestly pray <laughs> that God will show us where we are to meet in four months' time, where, whether it is to be another auditorium, at a school, another church building, or in the bush, <laughs> wherever it is that he calls us to meet. As we pray that God will provide and guide us, let us pray first that his name be hallowed, right? God be hallowed wherever we meet. 
God be hallowed if we find it really hard to find somewhere to meet. God, you be hallowed if we have to meet out in the bush. You be hallowed. May that be the priority. So let's pray for these needs as they arise with that priority, Jesus' priority, that the name of God be hallowed. Amen. Thanks, musicians.